Welcome to another inspirational teaching from Faith Family Church by Senior Pastor Mike DeBenke. For more information about our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv. thank you for today. We thank you for what we're about to do, that we do this in obedience to your word. We do this as following the example that you've given us um, as a Christian should in a way of letting our light shine, directing our children, showing them that you have a path for their life, and teaching them they were born on purpose with a purpose. And uh, as we do this, I just believe that I will be used in a way that the hearers who have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive this message will be impacted by your word, and we will see change for your glory and for the impact on this, this world for what you're doing and what you have planned. We ask this, we believe we receive it, and we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Well, what we're doing today, and again, welcome if you're watching us online. What we're doing today is we're doing what we call baby dedication, and it really is kind of a misrepresentation, and we make no apologies for it, mainly because if we told you what was really happening, we wouldn't have as much participation and we probably wouldn't have as many people show up. Uh, really, it's not m so, so much a baby dedication as it is a parents and church body dedication. Uh, we don't believe, and I don't believe that it's scriptural, that by dedicating your baby, they somehow get a free pass into heaven and uh, it takes care of everything. The Bible's very clear in its teaching that sin is, the, the wages of sin is death. And if you don't pay that wage, somebody else has to, which in our case, it's Jesus Christ. But it also teaches that when there's no knowledge of the law, which law brings sin, the Bible says that God inst instituted the law so that man would knew, know that he's a sinner, that he needs a savior, because nobody could keep the law the way that, that God presented it. God's standards are higher than we can accomplish on our own. We need a savior. So as he instituted the law in the Old Testament, what happened was that when people saw that and they realized, hey, you know what, this, I can't do this. This is more than me. I, I, I'm not able to accomplish this kind of a lifestyle on my own. That's what caused man to turn to Jesus as Savior. Now, what the Bible also says that where there's no knowledge of the law, there's no penalty for the law, which means a baby doesn't know the difference from right and wrong. The baby doesn't know he's dishonoring God by choosing. It, it doesn't happen. So a baby is not held accountable for sin until they reach an age where they know, in, in themselves, they know the difference between right and wrong. They know that if I do this, it's not honoring God. It's not honoring my authorities. That's when they become accountable. Some churches teach an age of accountability. Nobody can actually put that age, you know, specific because everybody matures and grows at different paces. So the reason we do a baby dedication is not to cover our baby so if something happens to them before they're old enough to accept Jesus on their own, they'll get to heaven. They're already going to go to heaven. If there's no knowledge of the law, there's no penalty for the law. That's what the Bible says. Amen? What we do is we encourage parents to dedicate their lives themselves in raising their child in the way that God would have them do it so that the child learns the difference between right and wrong and knows which course to take, whether to take the course that God has laid out for them or to take the course that the world is offering them. Does that make sense? Yes. So we don't believe that um, 
that you're, you're just like we don't believe baptism gets you to heaven. Baptism is a sign of what happens on the inside. A child accepts Jesus when he's old enough to understand. And there's been some children that I've had a discussion with. The parents come and say, hey, I think my, my, my child is ready to receive Jesus uh, when they're five years old. And I'll tell them, I say, I'll, I'll be happy to talk to them. And I sit down and talk with them. Chris received Jesus when he was five years old. Jared's going 30-something, and he's, no, I'm just kidding. So, <laughs> no, he did receive him when he was younger. We believe he, the scripture we're standing on uh, for all of our kids and for your kids, that if you raise them the way they're supposed to, you're supposed to in God's standards and his ordinances, then when they're older, they'll, not, they'll return to it. How many of you had a wild streak in your life where you grew up going to church and Man, God was great, and then all of a sudden, you're out doing things that, you know, making angels blush and all that kind of stuff. Because you know your angels go with you everywhere you go. And uh, some of us, we took our angels to some bad <laughs> places. I know mine are probably, once they get to heaven, are going to kick my behind for making them go through some of the stuff they went through. But what we want to do is establish a place, like a, a memorial date, like a, a marker in, a, in the life where the parents said, that's where I chose to stand for what God wants for my kids. That's where I decide to stand the gap for my kids. And I'll tell you, according to scripture, it makes all the difference in the world. Amen? The title of our message today is The Right Way and the Right Guide. And the reason that we're calling it that is because it's very clear in scripture that God intends for us to be an example and to give directives to our children. And then as they grow and mature, <coughs> that was pretty gross, as they grow and mature and learn to be obedient to their parents' statutes, their parents' rules, that they will, as they age, learn that they can now be in a relationship and be obedient to God's standards and God's rules, if you will, the right way of living. So what we want to do is just kind of establish some stuff here so that you have an understanding of why we're doing this and understand that God, he considers children to be a gift and the Bible says that he gives them to us as a gift. But have you ever got one of those gifts where it comes with responsibility? A gift's a gift. It's something that's given to you. You didn't earn it. It's a gift. But sometimes you get a gift that you also get responsibility with that gift. I remember um, one year, there was three boys in our family, four girls, and uh, half the neighborhood was always at our house. But one year, we all got like Swiss Army pocket knives. I don't know if you remember this or not, Dad. But we got the talk. This is a real knife. You know, you need to be careful with this. Do not stab your brother. You know, I mean, that was a serious talk in our family because we had some pretty good brawls in our family. But within minutes of us getting these pocket knives, my brother Carl, who, because we went camping, I understand why it was a Swiss Army knife and not a switchblade. We were on the other side of town. And uh, <laughs> so, but, you know, it had the little clip or clip on your belt and everything. And of course, we're all looking at it and seeing what it does, and this one does that, and that one, this one has a toothpick. Mine, I was, I was small. Mine was more like a little pen knife, but Dad gave it to me anyway, so I didn't feel left out. But anyway, Carl and Mark had pretty, pretty sophisticated camping knives, you know. Carl put it on his belt, and he's running around. He goes to open more presents, and he forgot that he had left it open. And as soon as he bends over to pick up more presents, the knife completely goes into his leg. So needless to say, he did not accept the responsibility well of how to be careful with a knife, you know, but he did learn a harsh lesson right then. So whenever God gives you gifts, there's usually a responsibility with it. It's like the blessings that we get in life. 
and, and don't, don't tense up. I'm not going to ask you for any money or anything. But the Bible says that God blesses us to be a blessing. In other words, you're responsible. You, you receive it. It's a blessing. Thank you, Lord. But then he wants you to do something specific with it. Not give it all away, you know. That's, that's just crazy religious teaching. God wants you to be blessed. He wants you to have a good life. And you should have. And it's his plan for you to have a good life. But he wants you to always remember there's people that are not as blessed. And he wants you to re- represent him to them in a loving way. In other words, be a blessing. And, as we, and you don't have to be a millionaire to do that. You can have 10 bucks and do that. Don't think, well, when I finally hit the lotto, I'm going to do it. Let me tell you something. If you can't be generous with a dime out of a dollar, you're not going to be generous with 430 million or whatever it is now. It's not going to happen. You know, generosity is a thing of the heart. And there's not a milestone in life where you get to and you say, okay, now. No, if you want to get to that place, learn to do things God's way. Be a blessing. Every time you sow into someone else's life, the Bible says that God owes you. You sow into someone else's life, God says he'll repay it to you. Press down, shaking together, running over. So it's a win-win situation. Amen? So with these gifts that God gives us, these children, he gives them to us. He, he gives them to them with, with a reference that they are a blessing, but you are responsible. In Psalms 127, verse 3, it says this. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. So here it is. It's a gift, and he, and he rewards us with this amazing gift. And you know the first child you get? You remember how you were. What do we do? How do we? I mean, it must have taken Don and I 30 minutes to get Chris ready to leave the hospital. You know, don't twist his arm like that. Watch out. You know, you're going to hurt him. You know, all that kind of stuff. By the time Jared came along, you kind of throw him over your shoulder. And, you know, <laughs> it's not the same. You know, it, it's, it's not the same at all. Now he's got three. Jack's like a volleyball there. You know, hey, here you go. You take him. No, you take him. You know, but you, you kind of relax the more familiar you get, right? So don't be stuffy. And, and as I talk about this, don't be condemned that, oh, I didn't do it that way. Or, oh, you know, I missed that. God's the redeemer of time. And maybe you weren't the best parent. Chris talked about this last week on Mother's Day. Maybe you weren't the best parent. God didn't give up on you or your kids. He's going to put other people in their path to help. And he's there to help you today. He tells you, quit looking behind you. Quit looking at regret. And look at what he has for you today. And if you didn't do it right before, you can be right with somebody else's kids. Being that mentor that Pastor Chris talked about. Being that person that's an influence in somebody's life, maybe a friend or a grandchild or or a neighbor's kid or something like that, you can do it this time and God will honor you. Amen? So this is not a message to make anybody feel condemned. It's not a message to make anybody feel like they're less than. Hopefully it's going to be inspiring and encouraging for you to say, you know what? I got a big God. He He can meet my kids right now where they need it. He can meet me where I need it. And he can make a difference in the world around me by me just yielding to him. Does that make sense? So as we do this, and we look at it, we see children are a reward. There's something from God that he wants us to be responsible for. In Psalms 127 verse 4, it says, Children are born to a young man, and they're like arrows in a warrior's hand. That means, you know, when a warrior has an arrow, he doesn't just sit there and poing, poing. He knows how to shoot. He knows how to aim because he has a target. And see, nobody's going to know your child's target better than you as you go to God and pray for your child. And your child needs direction. He needs to be aimed in the right direction so he's able to achieve and accomplish what God has for him. God's got a plan for every single one of us. He's got a specific plan for, we're going to dedicate my grandson Jack today. Before he was even born, God had a plan for him. 
He's got a purpose for his life. He wants him to accomplish certain things with his help. And he wants him to grow in, in, in wisdom and stature and the things of God so he can be a blessing to the people around him. And what it is, now it's our responsibility as his family, Chris and Nicole's responsibility and, and, and Brian, never, it's our responsibility to help him hit that target, to help him find that path that God has for him. I'm going to say something right now and some of you might get mad. If you get really mad and you walk out, Sorry. That's all I could say. I'm going with what God's word says. I'm not here to please you. I'm here to teach you what God's word says. Amen? So, these parents, especially now, and I've, I even hear it in church, where I hear parents say things like, well, I'm going I'm to let them decide. I'm not going to try to influence their, their beliefs or their faith. I'm going to let them decide. There's not a more heartbreaking statement to me than for a parent you know, to, to just step out and say, I'm going to see what the world teaches them. I'm going to see what somebody else has to do because I'm going to step out of my responsibility and let somebody else step in. Because how many know the world is looking to teach your kids stuff? It started in the Garden of Eden. God was their father. He walked in the garden with them in the cool of the day. He discussed things. He told them, hey guys, this is what I want you to do. This is what I don't want you to do. The snake, who was Satan, came in the form of a snake. And the first thing he did was try to get them off target. Did God really say? Did God really say you weren't supposed to eat of that tree? He immediately started deceiving and trying to, to trick them into getting off path of what God, and it worked. They missed it. How I many know that, that devil is still doing that today? If we step back and take our, our, our hands off of trying to help our kids find the path God has for them, the world has plenty of people to step in and to say, no, God, that doesn't really matter. No, that's not really a sin. You know, is God real? You know, does God really care about that? He's going to be there. And our kids, our kids are going off course at unbelievable rates. And I'm going to get to it in a few minutes to show you just how dire the situation is, in, in not only in church, but in the world. Kids are like bows in, in, the, in the hands of a, of a warrior who's, who's taking aim at a target. And I've got another story about my brothers and I with a gift. Boy, gifts can get you in trouble. Uh, one year, my dad gave us bow and arrows. You know? And we thought, this is great. My brother Carl said, here, Mike, put this apple on your head and go stand over there. No, he didn't really. But we, we used to always tease each other. And, you know, we always wanted to, you know, say, ah, you're a chicken, you're a chicken. And, and my brother Carl, which I hope he's not watching. If you're watching, everybody's going to know. So, <laughs> anyway, he, he like... He thought that nothing scared him, nothing. He wasn't afraid of anything. So he came up with the idea, hey guys, let's do this. Let's take the arrows and shoot them straight up in the air and just stand there. And whoever runs is a chicken. Mark and I said, okay, yeah, we'll do it. We're not afraid of you. We're as brave as you are. Sure enough, and these were real bow and arrows. They weren't like kitty ones with suction cup. They were real bow and arrows. Whew. I'm, I, I feel, I, I think I felt a little tinkle while I was standing there, but I'm not sure because it was scaring the you-know-what out of me. And, and you don't, we weren't allowed to look up. That was the rule. So we're standing there. Next thing you know, shoom, right into the ground. I did it. You know, your heart's like this. I wasn't scared. Mark, you were scared. I wasn't scared. Chris, Carl says, let's do it again. Shoom. Good. I know you don't know this, but 
He wasn't there. It's not his fault. He told us not to do it. My dad's a great dad. We were just shaky kids, okay? So anyway, so we're standing there, and we had a shed. It was attached to the carport, which was attached to the house. And we're standing there, and we're in the backyard. All of a sudden, we hear, whoom! We look over, and it went through the roof of the shed. That's how, that's how strong it came down. It went right through. It was a metal roof. It so it's sticking like halfway through. And I immediately realized how hard that thing was coming. I said, I'm out. I'm out. Mark was already gone. He was already up under the patio like this. But Carl was still standing there. Pray for my brother. <laughs> Nothing scared him. But the thing is, when you get gifts, if you're responsible with them, they're a benefit. But if you're not responsible with them, they can be a problem. Kids that are not treated as a gift and parents who not, do not take the responsibility, how many know their kids can become a problem? Not only for the parents, but the child itself. The Bible says that this life is but a vapor, considering and comparing it to all of eternity. That means if I had a rope that had, you know, a thousand foot rope here, and I painted this much of the end of it red, and that rope is stretched out for a thousand feet, this life would maybe represent just that little red tip on the end. But see, we don't die when our body stops. We live on for eternity. The problems that happen in this life can carry on into our eternity. If we don't take responsibility to raise our kids the way we're supposed to, they may not make it to heaven. And that goes on forever. We are the example that God placed in their life, not just parents, but church family. How we conduct ourselves and how we act in front of the kids around us is very important to God, and it's very impactful to the kids in our, in our congregation. You say, well, you're getting kind of heavy now. I don't want to be responsible. God didn't ask you what you wanted. He told you. See, he's God, we're not, and we need to remember that. And we need to remember that being part of what God is doing, being part of a church family, being part of a family comes with responsibility. Amen? Some of you go, I ain't taking it. I ain't doing it. But I, it if you're honest with yourself, you'll be glad and you'll reflect back to the people in your life who were that mentor, that, that influence, that person that helped you get on course. I, my, I had a great dad and he gave me great advice, but there were also other men in my life who helped me to make right decisions where I was about to head the wrong way full blast. And they spoke into my life. Older people like my brother's friends or even older people that I work for, mentors in my life, they helped me to find that there's a path I should be on and they helped me to stay on it. But if they didn't do that, who knows where I would have been. I was certainly headed the wrong way for sure. So as we do this and, and, we, and we look at what it means to, to take our responsibility, don't just say, well, I'm going to let my kids decide. Kids aren't designed that way. Kids are designed to have somebody say, follow me as I follow Christ. They're designed to have somebody say that, that you know what, son, there's a right way and a wrong way, and that's the wrong way. I need you to think about what you're about to do. I need you to consider the effects of what you're about to do. How is this gonna affect your parents? How's this gonna affect your life? How's it gonna affect your future? If you, if you slack off and do this and you can't get into a decent college. How's it, how's it gonna affect your, your future if you playing around and don't hold God's standard and you go out and create a mess over here, you may have to clean that mess up the rest of your life and never actually get to what God has for you. Now that responsibility is shared by all of us but it's certainly something that the parents need to consider. And it's something that we need to understand. Um, Proverbs 22, verse 6 says this. 
says, direct your children onto the right path. So there's a right path that also indicates that there's a wrong path. And it indicates direction from you can make the difference. So let's be responsible. Let's not just step back and, and, and think that we can live any old way we want to, but tell our kids to do things differently, and it will work. Because kids don't follow just directives. Kids follow examples. How many of you know the old do as I say, not as I do, doesn't work long term? Matter of fact, you're showing your kids that you don't even value what you're telling them to do. So how can you expect them to value it? You're their example. You're the one that needs to know. Uh, you're the one that needs to know your example helps determine their future and their eternity. This is not a short-term thing we're talking about. The influence you have now will go on forever. And I want to encourage you that, that as you do that, and as you make the stand to say, you know what, I'm going to give my kids some guardrails. You know guardrails? They hold you in, sure, they do. But they also save your life if, they, if you ever need them. Uh, Chris and I were um, in the side-by-side -side with my son Jared out in Las Vegas. And he's taking us up this hill. And it's just crazy, the stuff that these buggies will do. I mean, it is, it's thrilling, but it is scary. And as we're going up this one hill, and, and Jared is over here driving, I don't think he realized how close we were to the edge as we were sliding up this hill. And how far down was it? It was over 100 feet, drop-off, no guardrail. And the tires are right on the edge. And this, these tires, what's that? Yeah, one of them actually was coming off. So needless to say, those of us, Chris and I, on this side of the buggy, we were about, you know, we, <laughs> we were like, ah, you know. But obviously we didn't fall off. How I many you know it would have been easier and better if there was a guardrail there? I wouldn't have been so panicked when I looked and saw the tire going off the edge of a 100-foot drop-off. You know, that, that's, that's the way guardrails are for our kids. We don't want to control our kids. We don't want to smother our kids. But we want them to have parameters that they're allowed to, to stay in and to explore life and, and to learn who they were created to be and, and what they were created to do. You don't want to put them in a bubble and say, no, 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 you can't do anything. That's not going to benefit them either. There's balance. Just like with God, there's always balance with things. And we as parents and we as Christians in the church family, we need to accept this responsibility and then use it wisely. And realize when we're talking, people are listening. When we're doing something, always somebody watching. Can we always, can we look at the kids in our lives? Can we look at our kids' face and say, this is what dad did? You know, or do, should, we, should we let our, our position of influence over our children cause us to, to use some guardrails and to stay on the path that God has for us? Because remember, they don't just follow directives, they follow examples. And they're watching you like nobody else. Trouble in the front row. I've, I've got a study that I, that I was reading, and, and I want to read part of it to you as we get ready to wind down. We're going to invite the parents to, in just a minute to go get the children, and we're going to do a baby dedication. But there were two studies conducted, and this was actually a few years ago, so the numbers have actually gone up. Um, they were done by Barna Group and USA Today. I'm going to read to you, so just, just listen to me and, and hear what I'm talking about. Found that nearly 75% of Christian young people fall away from their faith and leave the church after high school. 75%, that's a huge number. Fall away from their faith and leave the church after they graduate high school. One of the key reasons they do so is intellectual skepticism, 
But how many of these youth were actually taught the Bible in their homes or in church is the key. Statistics show that children today spend an average of 30 hours per week in school where they are often taught ideas that are dramatically and diametrically opposed to biblical truths about evolution, about the acceptance of, of alternate lifestyles, about, about accepting things that in God's word he says is something we shouldn't do. And it, and it says that for, and I'm talking about all kinds of things that, that is actually promoted in our schools today. Then they come home and they spend another 30 hours a week sitting in front of a TV, watching commercial sitcoms and playing video games, or they're, they're um, connecting on social media. All of these things, in, by the most part, take them away from the principles of God, take them away from the standards of God's word. And it says, uh, now here's the exposure that they have in church. And this is in contrast. They spend weekly in a church or class, church classroom, meaning like a youth ministry or something like that, 45 minutes a week. It says, given the amount of exposure to worldly influences versus Bible training, it is understandable why young people leave the home without a Christian worldview and why so many are falling away from the faith. Not only are most youth not being well grounded in the faith, but they also aren't being taught to intellectually examine the views and skeptics who will inevitably challenge their faith. Most of these students are not prepared to enter the college classroom where more than half, actually this number is much higher now, of college professors view Christians with hostility and take every opportunity to belittle them and their faith in the classroom. That number is much higher than 50 now, and it actually happens in high school now too, um, where the, the teachers are coming against their faith and look to belittle them in front of the class to challenge them for what they believe. And if they're only getting a few minutes a week and, and they're not getting much teaching from their parents, what hope do they have? And that's very clear why 75% of kids who graduate high school leave church and they leave their faith. You put that with the statistics of 80% of the people who get born again do it before they enter high school. We're only reaching a very small number of people and getting them convinced and having them walk the life that God has for them. There's responsibility, and this responsibility is huge for us to understand this. You say, well, I don't have any kids. It doesn't really matter to me. You're an influence. God may have you in their life because maybe their parents aren't that good of influence. Maybe their parents are deceived themselves. Don't underestimate the amount of influence you have and how God wants to use it. A key factor in keeping young people, this is how we can reverse this, and so you understand it. A key factor in keeping young people from falling away from their faith is the influence of their parents. It is, Proverbs says, train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. That's Proverbs 22.6. One particular study found that when both parents were, listen to this, when both parents were faithful and active in church, 93% of their children remained faithful after they graduated high school. 93%. So it's important. When just one parent was faithful, 73% of the children remained faithful. When neither parent was particularly active in church, only 53%, they attended but haphazardly, of the children stayed faithful. In those instances where neither parent was active or faithful in church and only attended now and then, the percentage dropped to only 6%. And this is done by a secular study. This is not done by a church study. Well, Barnett is a Christian organization, but USA Today is not. 
says, the average number of minutes a father spends taking his children, talking to his children each day, is seven minutes a day. You can't shape and form your children in seven minutes a day. It says fathers are leaders, they're guides, and they're symbols. But they can't be anything if they're not there. Boys do not learn what it means to be a man from a computer game, but from watching and interacting with their fathers, uncles, and grandfathers. And I would inject church male leaders also. Girls learn to admire and trust males by being able to admire, trust, and love their fathers. Dads, you're teaching your girls what kind of guy to fall in love with. What kind of life, to, what kind of guy to give herself to by the way you act and the way you live. The average number of minutes of father, oh, I already said that, seven minutes. Now, mothers think they got, oh, and I know sometimes mothers look at the dads like, you should be doing better. Listen to this. Mothers do things for their children from young people, they form young people who will have a stronger sense of identity and a stronger bond with their families. And subsequently with others. For example, a young girl will find it hard to be a good friend with classmates if she doesn't have the great relationships with her mother. Acting as a guide and formative leader is important, yet the amount of time mothers spend talking to their children is only a little bit more than fathers. It's 11 minutes. Now this last part was done by a doctor named Dr. Clifton Chadwick, if you want to look up the, it's a lot more, I just took the, the main parts out of it. The, the point I want, want you to see is the parents today are bringing their kids here, not to dedicate them to God, just they're dedicating to God, I'm going to raise them in the way that I should. I'm going to follow the plans and, and the precepts of God's word to give my child every advantage to fulfilling the call of God on his life. And we as a church body, we are supposed to take that responsibility serious too. And we're to help them and support that family in any way that we can and to help guide that child through our example and the way that we follow the directives of God. We're not talking about, oh yeah, it's just the kid. We're talking about over 90% in some surveys. Kids need this so they don't fall away from God. It's, you know, it's, it, it's all in there and it's in the, the secular studies, but God put in his word long before that. I'm just going to read a few scriptures and then we're going to close. And this is God's standard for parenting. Deuteronomy 4, 7 says, What other nation is so great as to have their gods near them the way the Lord our God is near us? Whenever we pray to him, God is close. You're struggling, you're struggling being a parent? God will help you. You pray to him, he'll show up. Deuteronomy 4, 9 says, only be careful, listen, to the, this is to the parents, and watch yourselves closely so that you do not forget the things your eyes have seen or let them fade from your heart as long as you live. Teach them to your children and to their children after them. So my responsibility is not over now that Chris and Jared are grown. Now it's my responsibility to help Chris and Nicole teach Jack and Noah and Kaylee the things of God and how to grow in a relationship with him. We don't get an out after a certain age. We're supposed to live in a way that helps other people find the path that God has for them. Does that make sense? And I know you're thinking this is heavy and stuff, but the kids are worth it. The kids' futures are worth it. Their eternity is worth it. And, and we need to be Christian, we need to man up or woman up, whatever you want to say, and be the Christians God's called us to be so our kids find their way. And they don't become deceived and fall away from God and, and end up in some life of destruction. Deuteronomy 6 says this, listen, O Israel, Israel is a type and shadow of the church. Israel in the Old Testament was a type and shadow of God's church in the New Testament. 
It says, listen, O Israel. He's saying, listen up, guys. The Lord is our God. The Lord alone shall have no other gods before him. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And you must commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these commandments that I'm giving you today. Repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road. You're supposed to spend time with your kids when you're going to bed and when you get up. The last, you're just supposed to live a life. It's the way you live that shows your children that you have a relationship with God and the benefit of having a relationship with God and what it means to you. Deuteronomy 11.6, six. is our last one. It's... Um, or 11.18 says, so commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine, tie them to your hands, wear them on your forehead as reminders, teach them to your children, talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. That's a repeat of the one we just read. In other words, God's saying, hey, in case you didn't catch it the first time, this is important stuff. It's important how we train our kids. It's important how we live a life as an example to our kids. It helps ensure that they're going to live the right way. You can't expect your kids to, to go a different direction if you're going that way. They're going to follow their number one example, and that's their parents. Unless you have no time for them and you're never home with them at all, then they're going to find someone else to follow. So yeah, I know it's heavy, and I know it's maybe not what you expected, but we don't believe in just having a ceremony where you come up and everybody feels warm and fuzzy, and then it's done. I believe this should mean something when we do it. I believe it should be wholehearted. It should be something because of conviction, not because of religiosity. Amen? And that's why we do it this way. So we're going to invite the parents to go get their kids that are going to be um, dedicated today. And we're going to invite the praise team back up, I believe. As they're coming up, I would ask you all just to bow your heads and close your eyes. I know that maybe some of the stuff I said may be difficult for you today, and, and I understand that. And God will meet you where you are. And again, I don't want you to feel condemned. I'm hoping to, to make you feel inspired that, hey, if I'm not doing that, I can do it. I can, with God's help, I can achieve that. If you are doing that, I hope you feel like God is saying, good job. That a boy, that a girl, way to go. Keep doing it. It's going to pay off. It's going to work. It's going to help. What God wants us to see is that he wants to be active in every part of our life, not just when we're growing up, but when we're adults and when we have our own kids and he wants to be active in their lives. And there's a way for him to do that. And it's all up to us because remember what we always say here, God's a filler. He's not a forcer. He's not going to force you to change. He's not going to force his way into your life. He's going to come when you invite him in. So I want to encourage you to think about that as your heads bowed and your eyes are closed. I want to ask you a question. If you're here today and you're not born again, what do I mean by that? You haven't accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. You haven't said, hey, I can't do this on my own. You haven't got to the place where you realize you need help. But maybe something that was said today, maybe you were invited today and, and something spoke to you and made, made you realize, you know what, I need, to, I, need, I need this relationship with God. And for me to ever be the right influence for my children, I need to have a real relationship with God in my life. So if you're here today and you've never made a decision for Jesus, but you'd like to, or if you're watching online and you've never made that decision, you can make the decision right there in your house. I'm gonna ask you to do this for me and nobody else is gonna look around. This is between you and God. I'm gonna ask you to either look at me or raise your hand. 
only so that I know who I'm praying for. I'm not going to call you down front. I'm not going to embarrass you. God wants to meet you where you are and help you get to a better place in life. He wants to meet you where you are and heal some of the hurts. We believe with all of our heart here at Faith Family Church that God brings healing for yesterday, help for today, and hope for tomorrow when you enter into a relationship with him. So if you're here today and I'm talking to you and you say, you know what, I need this. I need that relationship. I need to enter into that relationship with Jesus Christ and allow him to be my Lord and Savior. Would you either raise your hand or look at me so I know who I'm talking to? Is there anybody here today that that's speaking to you? You know you haven't been with God the way you're supposed to. You know you're not walking with him. But today is something you decide, hey, yeah, I need this. Anybody? Looking across, we're not going to take a long time. It's just, I just want to give you an opportunity. Are you looking at me? I see you. Amen. Anyone else? Anyone else? Today can be your day. Everything can change today. I don't care where you've been. I don't care where you left last night. Things can turn around today. God's not mad at you. He's not looking to punish you. He hasn't given up on you. He hasn't turned his back on you. He's just waiting on you to open the door and invite him in. Anybody else? I look. Amen. Praise God. We've got one person that, that has accepted Jesus today. Now I want to ask this. I want to ask everybody else here. Because this, this is not our normal message. This is not the way we normally teach. And some of you may have felt a little beat up from this message. God's the healer of the brokenhearted. He's the restorer. He's the redeemer of time. If you're feeling a little banged around today, maybe, maybe you're feeling heavy about this message and, and, and you just want to renew your commitment with God. You've already accepted him as Lord and Savior, but you want to just make room for him today. And say, come on in, I need some, I need some healing here. This has been a rough one for me. He'll meet you right where you are. So if you've been living life and doing it your way and you realize, you know what, I haven't been the best example. I haven't been walking the path I should have. And you know that you need this. And you want us to pray for you. I won't call you down. It's between you and God. We would just say a word in general as a congregation for those who raise their hand. But if that's you and you want to turn and get close to God again, you want to walk away from the things that have distracted you and pulled you down the wrong path, now I'm going to ask you to go ahead and raise your hand. Anybody? I see your hand. I see your hand. Amen. I see your hand. Anybody else? Amen. Now for the sake of those who raised their hand and the sake of those of the one person who received Jesus, I'm going to ask all of us to say this prayer together. Heavenly Father, today, we as your children acknowledge your word to be for us. It's instruction Sometimes it's correction, but it should always be encouraging for us to learn to walk out the life you have for us. So today, for the person who received your son, Jesus, we rejoice with them. And for those who have committed to turn back to you, we rejoice with them. We believe with all of our heart that when we believe in our heart and we confess with our mouth that your son, Jesus Christ, is our savior, that's all it takes. Amen. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, we're going to um, go ahead and have the children. Okay, yeah, sorry. Um, we're not going to take time. Our, 
<laughs> we, we would like your money. No, I'm kidding. Uh, for those of you who, who call this your church home and it's on your heart <clears throat> to support this church, you can give in a lot of different ways. And uh, we believe it's God's standard of doing it. He calls us to bring our tithes and our offerings to the storehouse. You can now do it either physically, you can do it electronically, you can do it through the kiosk out there. But basically, we just want to give you an opportunity to follow the leading of God and to pursue what he has for you by bringing your tithes and offerings to this storehouse. Amen. Thank you very much. Kids, if you want to... Where, where you this is the end of this teaching. We hope you enjoyed it. To stay connected with our ministry, visit us on the web at myffc.tv or like us on Facebook. Thank you.